Did it work? And we're back. Oh, boy. <laughs> you, we got that part. Did we? Yeah. Oh, you damn it. And did it work? Welcome to the podcast this week, Chris. Hi, I'm back. I still have not been fired. <laughs> I mean, haven't you? We just keep checking our watches like, Chris, still here? No. By the way, there's a pink piece of paper on the door. Can you pick that up when you leave? <laughs> it's your uh, ticket out of here. Your pink slip. Goodbye. Your, this is your payment, your, uh, your, your check for all of this. It's zero dollars. No <laughs> There's a check mark on it. Saying yeah. Good fired, job. Not you fired. did it. <laughs> check is on the fire. Pot. Six slash 12 episodes in. I've also given out your social security number. That's fine. I feel like I've already done that. On I'll, there? If anyone tries to steal my identity, all they're going to get is a bunch of debt. So you're welcome, world. <laughs> they're going to open up new debt. How, can you do that? I mean. Why not? Sure. Okay. In a different country, maybe. <laughs> Just keep adding to it. Put more on. Just there. like how much, how poor can Chris White be? Just slap it on there. Just keep going. <laughs> so, how was your week, Chris? Um, it's been good. Uh, nothing exciting's happened, but Pride just got over with. Yeah. And I lived, honey. Dixie walked down and strutted that runway, and her face was melting faster than our Chernobyl episode. She sure did, honey. Mm-hmm. You had uh, not an eyebrow in sight. No. <laughs> it was all melted. And if you want to see that, you can go to ourspoopypodcast.com <laughs> and check out Our Spoopy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Our Spoopy on Twitter. Just so you can make fun of Dixie. <laughs> because it's, I mean, it's a did we tell them last time that you're a, a drag queen? And We've you're, mentioned a couple times. you're off times? Yeah. Every yeah. once in a while, we mentioned Dixie, and they were always like, who is that? I mean, mm. I we keep didn't like a Alabama. little bit surprised. Yeah, well, Alabama doesn't have any drag queens, do they? But your name is Dixie. That has something to do with Alabama. Yeah, but it's not really like a Southern thing. I Originally, when Dixie was, when I was creating the idea of Dixie, I thought of a character, kind of like Benda La Crim, and mm-hmm. like created her as like this Southern Belle. And I was like, I don't think I can be funny as a Southern Belle. Like, I just, I just don't think I could. I mean, you have an accent. I do not have an accent. I don't have an I accent. I don't have a southern accent. What are y'all talking about? I can make myself have a southern accent. How are you so drunk already? I'm not. You just said has. I can make myself has. Yeah, that was part of the southern accent. I was trying to identify with those from Alabama. <laughs> Slurps. Slurps drink. So. Did I train? Had to identify what was making that sound. Did we identify it? Um, it was Melissa's. I thought it was Melissa's pussy. I mean, I thought so, but yeah. You never know. It just any loud noise. I'm always like, you know? I hear like a tornado siren. I'm like, oh, Melissa's nearby. Yeah. <laughs> She's making that wind, She's run, making honey. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard from her? Um, not since your party. No. Oh, poor thing. I mean. I've called her 37 times today mm-hmm. and 64 times yesterday, but she could, pro- I mean, she's probably like she's, at the grocery store or something. Yeah. She's a busy girl. She's busy. Been at the grocery store for the past day and or two. Well, she's going to text me. Yeah, eventually. I mean, I'm, look, where's my phone? <laughs> Not yet. It. Okay. Okay, we're good. But I will keep it right there just in case. Eventually, she's going to finally actually do the topic that she wants to do and then we're just going to be astounded. Honestly. I mean, I don't want to put any uh, barriers on that, but I'm pretty sure she, she said she was going to leave for Spain on, like, July 6th or something. Didn't she say she was going to leave on, like, May 17th? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whoops. Maybe she did leave. Maybe. Well, maybe. We have no idea. 
She just keep pushing it back, and she's like, te- "It's a teaser." She's like, "Oh, I want to see how like my Everybody's friends react." Yes. <laughs> well, what are they gonna say she's with like, me leaving? I'm gone, guys. She's almost as dramatic as me, mm. and that's not possible. There's nobody as dramatic yeah, as you. I know. She's watching us from binoculars on the roof right now. I'm sure, being like, "They miss me." It's actually through like a sniper rifle. She's like, <laughs> "Who am I taking out first?" On your forehead. <laughs> no, that's just as it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, skincare is important. <laughs> I have some advanced night repair from Estee Lauder in the, in the bathroom if you wanted to. Just, you know, dab it on me. A little dab. <laughs> little dab. Make so, me feel a little bit better. I mean, feel better. Look for better. Sure. No. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's going too far. That's a hard pass. Ah, I mean, it's going to take a lot more than a serum, girl. <laughs> You need some heavy duty. Oh heavy yeah, heavy duty stuff. Like just going with like one of those like what what are they called? Like the flooring, the floor ones with like a floor buffer. Thing. Oh no 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 no! no? Rubber cement just cover the whole thing, <laughs> and then carve out a new face. Just, oh yeah. man, you look at the statue of David. Face just doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> I had to move a little bit. You look like Sharon needles or something. Oh yeah, I would look terrible. What was I trying to watch with Sharon Needles in it yesterday? We were try- we were watching all kinds of the uh, roasts. Oh yeah, and um, Sharon wasn't ever funny. No, not really. That's why I look back and I'm like, did she really win? Well, I mean, now that we see these seasons, I'm like, give me There's something so much. more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, I when I look back at the other seasons, I'm like, that's all I dealt with, and I was still screaming. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yes. <laughs> Like, it's, turn it out, girl, with yeah. that devil look. It's literally from Party City. Yeah, she just threw it they all together. They weren't lying when she yeah. said it was Party City. Yeah, you look like Party City, bitch. Especially uh, Fifi O'Hara mm. in the first in her Snatch game. It's trying to be Lady Gaga. Oh, God, that was so bad. That entire Snatch game was a fucking disaster. A mess. Yeah. I was Latrice Royale the whole time. Mm. It's like, mm. I can't be bothered. Yeah, and then whenever Latrice came back and tried to like make a big deal about the next Snatch game, it was like, girl, it was not even that bad. And then she came on, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Because you didn't have anything to say. That's yeah. why you were That's angry. why you were trying to, you were just angry and blaming it on everyone else for it. It's like, girl, come on. <laughs> Bring something to the party. Yeah, exactly. You've been watching this for all this time since your Snatch game, and you think that you can just get away with pretending it doesn't exist? I wonder. Did they watch it? I don't know. I have to imagine that some of them are like, I do this every day. Yeah. I can't deal with this as And I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I guess probably like up until you get to like when you're on your season. Because you hear about all those drag queens like Sasha Bell that was like, I've I been watched. watching for since season one. And I know exactly what the judges are looking for. And then she gets kicked off the second episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, you did not have an idea what they were looking for. <laughs> I think that in my spoilers, I saw that Mimi comes back. You know who else they said was coming back that I was like, what? I don't know how that's going to work out is, um, shit. What's her name? She's the one that Mimi picked up. India Farah. Oh, and they did not get along very well. No. <laughs> Who? Not very many people got along with Mimi at all. No. But India Farah was just boring. Well, see, I never watched the earlier seasons. Well, she put her fake tits in everything. Okay. Fake tits on everything. Good. Just sprinkle like, a little bit. Like a, a lace bodysuit and fake tits. Mm. And I hair and a hat just sprinkle mm, mm, here's a little tip a lot of glitter here's a little tip mm, you know mm. well a lot of glitter on your chest like uh vanji you can get a, apparently get away with that and make it to the top five well uh, she was trying to cover up that tattoo and i was like girl you just made a mistake getting a tattoo yeah it's your fault wear body makeup you could just pull a cameron michaels and just wear it out all the time well cameron michaels is a shit queen 
She made it to the top four, bitch. Mm. Actually, top three. She's supposed to be back, too. Is she? Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Nah. Trying to stay relevant. Not excited about that. Yeah. You, yeah. You're never excited about things like that. You just, you'd never like Cameron Michaels to begin with. No, because she wasn't that good, and she was boring. I thought she was funny. She was didn't have she didn't say anything until like the two episodes before she left. And she always had really good runways. No, I don't like no. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Especially when she came out with that crow thing and people were like dying over it. I was like, she, I thought it looked cool. She looks like a, a brick. Wow, <laughs> a brick. Just House. a very large. It was just one feminine. solid figure. It was not feminine. Well, it was like wasn't it like a scary challenge or something like that? No, what no. was it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember was. what it was, but it was not. That was a their their. Um, uh, I think it was feathers. Oh, maybe I don't know. It was feathers. Well, I liked her. Well, so you know who else is coming back? Miss Cracker, and she's going to win. So do you think she is? Miss Cracker and Shea Coulee are front runners, girl. Already. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Because Miss Cracker's bomb. Well, she's funny. She's funny, and she turns out the lurks. Maybe she's going to pull a bindle crim and like stay send everybody yeah. home, and then just. They'll the be like, never episode, mind, like, I'm done. I don't really want to win. Bye, guys. She was literally two episodes away, and she was like, what the fuck? Yeah. But I'm going how home. different would it be if Bendele Creme was the winner? So much different. I know. Because <laughs> then we wouldn't have this argument between Trixie being robbed and Chandler being robbed. Or, I'm sorry, Chandler being robbed by Trixie or by everyone else. No. Because she was robbed, period. She wasn't robbed. Yes, she was. Let's talk about spoofy things okay. and not argue. Goddamn. Okay, this is not about a. This is not a this drag, is not podcast, a drag race okay? recap. <laughs> Surprise! Unless anyone was shocked. Oh god, hold but on. But once we get back to the drag tap, race, tap, tap. we could do like mini sets of that. Oh my god! Be like, oh my god, let's talk about drag race. <laughs> that could be a mini set of let's talk about gay stuff. And then we'll just do it for you. Yeah. This is why you're gonna plug it. Oh, okay. Chris so is that going I, to New York World Pride this Oh, weekend. my God, yes! It's going to be crazy. She's going to be gay as fuck. Oh, my God. I'm going to pack all of my rainbow stuff. I, oh, my God. I have to go home and wash my clothes because I am a dirty whore. I mean, this is the first time. Do you even have a washing machine? Yeah, I do now. It's Savannah's? Yeah. Well, it's not Savannah's. We live together. Mm. Where were you washing <laughs> you clothes, be- clothes before? Like in a river? Yeah. With the, the bayou, actually. <laughs> they were dirtier. Mm, I feel there's poison on my body. <laughs> mm, I have I'm, a sunburn for some reason. Suddenly, I have a third arm growing out of my back. <laughs> Those uh, burn victims from Chernobyl looked terrible, right? Horrifying. Yeah, in the show. Yeah, horrifying. You find a lot. Horrifying. You, how, how do you feel about the show so far? It's good. What I episode are you on? Yeah. Um, four, three, 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 three. Um. It is moderately accurate. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are very false. Well, like the woman, the woman that we found false. out that I talked about last podcast and swore that she was real and it turns out she wasn't. Listen, girl, she's she was real. There and she's she real. was trying to help everybody. She was trying to just solve everything and she would have never, no one would have figured out without Everyone her. Everyone would have died if she wasn't there. And then she turned out not to be real. Yeah. Whoops. Um, and another thing I didn't like is they had that helicopter go down. Oh, yeah. That helicopter didn't go down the day after the accident. It went down like two weeks afterward. Oh, so the metal continued to like melt afterwards. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, well, I don't even think that they were dropping boron and sand. Inside the of the reactor? They were. Oh, okay. That helicopter that went down, I don't think that's what they were doing. I think they were like dropping cement or something. Mm, okay. Um, 
but everything else is pretty pretty on point pretty good yeah just wait until the trial scene i think that was my favorite one yeah just because it was so like oh my god we're learning about like all the steps of like what actually happened and it kept on like doing flashbacks and stuff so it was, it was really interesting well you kept telling me too that they they're not sweating they're just like microwaving Melted. and they're losing their water yeah. i haven't seen any of that yet it happens in the first episode like it happens multiple times where like little droplets of water, like they'll just like pan over to little droplets of water or like see them like melting. What about like when the wife goes to see um, her husband in the hospital? Uh huh. There's I, a I scene. That I there's a scene I specifically remember where she comes out of there and she's like water falls off of her, and like they show it. Hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah, it, it happens multiple times. I'll have to keep yeah. paying attention. Um. Okay, let's talk about. Okay, did you go first last time or did I? I think I went first. It was your okay, turn. my turn. Okay, excellent. Well, then let's talk about some spooky stuff and kind of see what happens here. Rat cha cha chewy. No. Oh wait, we have to discuss what our our theme was. What was our theme? So you have no idea. I have you come up with the themes all the time. <laughs> this was a Pacific Ocean episode. Oh. So, because your your uh, story is from the Pacific side, mm-hmm. and mine is as well. So okay. mine's California, and yours is Japan. Japan. Um, mm-hmm. So we had uh, fish tacos, like Californian people do, and then California Collins, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting. This is my first time having it. Probably would add something different to it. Maybe make it like a, a apple spice. Yeah, thing. I want like cinnamon in it. Yeah. So, okay, so it's brown sugar on the rim. Oh, Ooh, bitch. bitch! So the drink is gin, apple juice. Club soda and lemongrass. 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 <laughs> um, and I think it probably use a little cinnamon in it, mm-hmm. and maybe some simple syrup because it's not the yeah, sweet. Yeah, make it a little sweeter. Yeah. Um, but then I think it would be a bomb drink. Yeah. But I don't think you can order that anywhere. I don't think you can go to JR's and be like, "I'll have a California Collins, please." <laughs> I almost called it California Closets. <laughs> Yeah, you can have a California closets, please. You just put it in a square shaped glass. <laughs> so, knock, 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 knock. Hello. Just get in a California closet. Excuse me. And everybody in the bar would be like, you don't have to do that here. You don't even go here. You can be here as free as you want. It's pride, my Come out of the closet, bitch. Especially since I'm going to New York. I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen there. So that's going to be fun. I think that you should go to the Eagle. I'm scared. In New York. I'm scared. Because this is not what I expected. If I have like a button down shirt going all the way down, they'd be like, they're just going to go, I want to see what's under there. Well, it's just like a bunch of guys waiting around by the bathroom staring at you. I don't like that. We went to a lot of bars and they're nothing like Houston. What do you mean? Like they are, the people there are there to be at the bars. Yeah. And like, I feel like here people are like, I'm with my friends. I'm just <laughs> hanging. I'm just drinking. They're We're like, just chilling I'm out. trying to pick someone up. They're like, I came here to dance or I came here to have sex with somebody. Yeah. Oh, yikes. And I was like, I didn't come here for either of those things. I'm just here to drink. It's very dark in here. <laughs> I'm here from Houston. I have no idea what's happening. Nobody's <laughs> playing the boot scoot and boogie. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> I mean, really, though. But, but for real, where's so, the boot scootin' boogie? I mean, that's what I want you to do when you go there. Try to do boot Excuse me, where's somewhere. the Cupid shuffle, please? Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> do you guys know how to do the cha-cha slide? <laughs> that's my favorite. I'd like to keep it on, please. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about spooky stuff. Let's. Okay, so I wrote a disclaimer first because 
I wanted to write a disclaimer because I feel like you've done two disclaimers, so it's my turn to write a disclaimer. Um, so I'd first like to talk about something near and dear to my heart before we move on to my topic. If you or a loved one is ever in distress or contemplating suicide and in need of a free and confidential support system, please call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. We can all prevent suicide together. Your life matters. It so does. my topic, going right into that, is... Aokigahara, no, Aokigahara. Yes, that one. Aokigahara, the suicide forest. Um, so the uh, Aokigahara, I'm going to say that multiple times throughout this because I don't want to keep calling it the suicide forest over and over again, um, is actually just a large forest located in northwest of Mount Fuji. Um, so that's just outside of Tokyo. So, um, well, I guess not just outside of Tokyo, but it's a distance I mean, outside of Tokyo. <laughs> Japan, is, I mean, it's an island. Yeah, so it's all kind of relatively it's close. Like Galveston. Yeah. It's like you're not really going anywhere. You're stuck. We're still talking about localities. This yeah. is Galveston Island. <laughs> Galveston Island and compared to Houston, I guess. It's a pretty good comparison there yeah, okay. uh, from what I saw on the map. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about geography. Kilometers? What are those? <laughs> I don't do that. We do the metric system. We need miles here, okay? Can I get there in my car? <laughs> Can I just drive over or do I need to take my horse and buggy? Do I need a scooter? <laughs> Can I get there on my bicycle? Um, so it's a forest thriving on hardened lava, which is very fertile, in case you don't know. Um, laid down by the... Fertile? Mo- I don't even know where... <laughs> Not how that works. That is how that works. We need to bring Savannah back so she can show you how to actually use that joke. You say it for everything. That's not how that you have to end with it like an ER sound. Fertile does not end with the ER sound. Is she fertile or not? You're disgusting. But um, okay. Anyways, um. So it was uh, hardened lava laid down, laid down by the most recent eruption of Mount Fuji in 18, oh, damn it, not 18, 864 CE. <laughs> That's about to be like, that was not that long no. ago. <laughs> 864 CE. So this is like 1,200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, parts of Okigahara is, are, are very dense, and the porous lava absorbs a lot of sound, which helps provide visitors with a sense of extreme solitude. So basically, you're in a sound-deafened area amongst trees. very tall trees everywhere. Exactly. Um, there are several caves that fill with water and then ice over in the wi- winter, making it a very popular tourist destination. It has also been portrayed as a place where compasses go haywire. Why? Uh, because of the lava, uh, but this is not. This is, has been proven false. Uh, this actually only occurs by putting the compass directly on the hardened lava, um, which aligns with the um, compass with the rock's uh, natural magnetism. Magnitude. Yeah. So since it has like a ton of iron in it, it basically kind of absorbs mag. Um, I'm sorry, absorbs the um, magnet. No, it, it creates its own magnetism essentially. That's what I'm go- going for. Um, you always and, find some way to bring this back to science. Uh, always science, all the time, every single time. Um, in several places, the forests become extremely dense, so tourists and hikers actually use plastic tape like on the trees to find their way back whenever they're hiking through the forest, um, since this is a very mountainous area. Yeah, I don't got GPS. Well, I'm sure out in the middle of a forest they don't have GPS. Have you ever gone out to, like, Katy? You don't have GPS out there? Yes, you do, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from a satellite. <laughs> I don't have GPS whenever I'm, like, driving on I-10. How, whoa. 
why? Maybe not GPS. I don't have signal. Phone signal. Signal, yes. Okay, but different. the GPS doesn't require that. Okay, fine. I'll agree to She's going to get lost in the wood, everyone. Don't worry <laughs> about gonna her. going to be gone. Gone out in the middle of Aoki... A- damn it. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. God help you when you go to uh, Tokyo. Central Park. I'm going to Tokyo next uh, summer too. Oh, she's just a world traveler. I'm she just goes traveling to sometimes. Did I tell you I'm also going to Cartagena in December? Oh, she's going to Cartagena in December. <laughs> Do you know the, where I'm going? Where? I don't know. Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. I'm going to go ahead I'm and go to, to Baytown. Go hang out with my family. <laughs> hey, that's a trip. Yes, but I've been there. Oh, okay. Well, then it's not exciting. I'm just kidding, Kathy. Your family's exciting. It's Mark's family too. Oh. All of my family lives there. It's just Kathy's family is exciting. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever Rough. meet my cousin Courtney? Who's she Courtney? came down here before. No. I met your mom and dad. Shout at out to Courtney. I think she listens. Hey, Courtney. Hey, Courtney. <laughs> what up, girl? Thanks for listening to our podcast. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us a thumbs up. Yeah. Subscribe. Or you can go to ourspoopypodcast.com and write a comment because Gloria did and she said that she was in love with the podcast. So make sure you do, do you do that as well. Do you know where Let's Talk About Gay Stuff got a uh, review? Where? On iTunes. From who? Some guy. Some random person? Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, I love it. It's great. It's like we dropped in on a cocktail hour. I hate that. Yeah. It's because on well, no, we love it because they're our sister podcast. Well, yes, I love them important. and I love their podcast, but I doing hate the, important work. But I hate I'm that jealous. they did it better than us. <laughs> but I know why. It, I know where it came from. Okay, because on Pride, I was handing those cards out like nobody's business. Well, you also had rainbows painted across your face, so everyone was just like, "Please stop talking to me. I'll take your card." <laughs> I, I got a lot of compliments on that. Okay? Oh, okay, I sure did. Mm. Mm. I got a lot of compliments on my makeup too. Yeah, and then you broke your kneecap. <laughs> Fell off a trailer. <laughs> I was just going up to people at the Pride or at Parade, and I was like, wow, I like your glitter beard. Do you like gay stuff? <laughs> Here's this podcast. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. <laughs> we were eating tacos at one of those tables, and I was like, are you guys like to do gay stuff? <laughs> Check out this podcast. I had a few beverages, but we uh, can talk about gay t- stuff. <laughs> just listen, listen to the podcast. It's going to be great. Just like sitting at the Eagle, just like on on the floor in the middle of like the dance floor. Just like, here's the podcast. Here's the podcast. Well, I'm clocking the fan, too. <laughs> at the same time. There you go. Here's, here's a little card. You want it? <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't fine. need your help. I don't need help up. It's fine. I'm just going to lay down for a while. <laughs> just taking a little snooze. <laughs> That's not what happened. I was very coherent and mm, I made it happen. Mm, mm, okay. Sure. Sure, Jan. Tell me more about your spoopy thing. Girl. Uh, more about my spoopy thing. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. Additionally, the Aoki Gahara got the name Suicide Forest because it is considered one of the most frequently chosen suicide spots in the world. This is among Golden four Gate other Bridge. top ones. The Golden Gate Bridge. We've got the Prince Edward's Viaduct in Toronto before they put the Luminous Veil, before that was constructed. Um, and then the Nanjing Yangtze River Bridge in China. Mm. Yeah. So those are like the top four places in the world uh, as like the most notable sites for um, suicide, suicide spots, essentially. I would never imagine... Well, I don't know. I guess I don't know anything about the terrain of China, but I always figured, like, you said it's near Beijing? It's Nanking. Nanjing, yeah. Nanjing. Nanjing. 
Hmm. Nanjing Yangtze River Bridge. Well, the Yangtze River goes like through most of their major cities. And so yeah. I figured that would be like low land. I didn't think the bridges would be that high. No, I mean, big boats go through it. Cruise ships go through the Yangtze River. Hmm. Yangtze. Yangtze. I, I also Yangtze. am not too... I don't understand physics. Because I'm what like, you, you jumped off a bridge into water. Just... Oh, because water has a very tight, uh, it's water tension. It's very tight water tension. And so going up from like a certain like level, level, you're basically like, it's basically like 80 feet up from what I understand. Jumping into water, it basically becomes like you jumping onto concrete um, because it just like the water does not open up. And so your body just kind of breaks (laughs) when you hit the water. Well, how do they do those things with like people in the 30s and they jump from a high diving board into like the small pool of water? Well, that's only like 30 feet up. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Oh, I mean, I thought it was like a hundred feet up into a kiddie pool. No, and, like, and then they <laughs> they miniaturize and they become an ant and just and then I'm in the water. That's exactly how it happens. I mean, I've only seen cartoons about that, and but as I'm you know, ninety percent sure that's what happens. Cartoons are always real. I mean, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen I'm, the Powerpuff Girls? I'm have you ever still... seen Ed, Ed, Nettie? That one is that real. shit was real. <laughs> yeah. Because I acted like that my entire childhood. <laughs> you had... I was always wondering, was that a hat or is this hair? It's a hat. Because you never saw the episode whenever he lost his, his hat? No, I don't remember Yes, a one. hat. He lost his hat and he was like so scared to show everyone that he was bald. <gasps> they were all bald. Yeah. Everybody in the show was bald. Well, they all had just like drawn on hair. <laughs> That's basically what I've got. Except for Rolf and the girl that would yell. Oh, yeah. Everyone yelled. <laughs> they were all crazy. I wasn't Anyways, that show. <laughs> Go on. I very much love that show. Um, so speaking of Ed and Eddie, no, that's terrible. Um, so yeah, those are the top four. The Nanjing uh, River Bridge is uh, number one. Number two was the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Then number three was the Prince Edward's Viaduct uh, in Toronto. And then number four was the Okigahara. Uh, well, that's how they ranked them. Uh, because a lot of these places stopped recording the number of suicides that they had because it was supposed to be like a deterrent for people like don't like glory yeah don't glorify the act of suicide essentially um so the aoki gahara had up to 150 suicides a year at the highest point in 2003 in 2010 they had over 200 attempts that were reported by police only 54 were completed um as of 2011 the most uh, the most common means were by hanging and drug overdose, and the suicides were said to increase in March, which marks the end of the fiscal year in Japan. And so, like the I guess like the culture of Japan is to, like work really hard and you know stress yourself out and like take yourself to like a point of life where you, you don't really want to be alive anymore. Uh, and so, it, like there's like don't ever push yourself that hard. Take yourself, make yourself a mental day. Take yourself somewhere nice give yourself some time do something nice for yourself take care of your mental health folks um so the official count is no longer publicized in attempt to decrease the number of suicides um in the aoki gahara um the rate of suicide has also led to signs being placed at the entries of the forest urging visitors to seek help and to not take their own life um and then annual body searches have been conducted since 1970 However, the history of Aoki Gohara has always been a place associated with death. Uh, Absute, uh, Ab- Abasute was said to have been practiced there until the late 19th century. Let me read it. Ubasute? Ubasute? Ubasute. Ubasute. Oh, you know Japanese all of a sudden. Well, I know that in Japanese, you read it as like 
a vowel and then the letter or the letter and or like the consonant and then the vowel is like one sound oob ubasute what <laughs> say that again you read the vowel so like uh what's the japanese word we know sushi uh-huh. So su is one sound, and then she is okay. another. So sushi. So, so that's ub, asu, no. What? So in this one, I think it would be uba sute. Okay. Okay. So you split it up. Okay. Yeah, I watched a lot of Naruto for like a summer. Hot second. See, I watched Naruto, but I watched the English version because <laughs> well, yeah. I was lazy. <laughs> I just, I like, I put subtitles on anyway, so I'm going to read it. See, I always focus on the subtitles instead of what was I still do this to this day I focus on the subtitles as opposed to what's actually happening on the TV and so I'm like I had to rewind I'm like I don't I didn't even see what was happening I was too busy trying to read but no, apparently I'm that slow at reading so I'm like it's a story yeah that I'm reading that's that fair talking through and you're like what's happening <laughs> wow this is so interesting <laughs> oh my god I can't believe that there's so many to her. pretty colors <laughs> I am so good with my peripheral vision okay <laughs> I'm not Jesus. Crossing I'm, the street, I'm like, I don't even need to look both ways. <laughs> no. Everybody Bye. look both ways. <laughs> I like look one way and then I look the other way. Like even on a one way street, like this one over here, whenever I cross when I'm leaving, I always look that way first. And I'm like, there's not even any, there's no cars coming from that direction. They legally cannot come from well, that direction. No, girl. Keep doing it because the people around here drive like idiots. You know, because they're also all at these bars and they're all drunk and, like, and stupid. I'm just going to go and then, they go out, and then they go into the one-way lanes, and then so they we've seen like on Valentine. So it, right here, it's a two-way. Mm-hmm. But if you go across uh, West Gray, it's a one-way, and yeah. it's supposed to be coming out. There's so many people that drive right in there, and then they have to back out because they can't onto get West Gray because there's a line of people coming towards them, and there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah, that's awesome. It's wild. Even though aren't there signs that say "Don't enter it says, here"? Don't enter here. Yeah, yeah. That's basically yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, my God. That's basically most of Houston, so. It's like, all of a sudden, this is two-way. Now it's one-way. Fuck. <laughs> but it's so confusing, like, right here on West Gray. Yeah. I will, I'll give them that, but this is, all, again, localities of Houston. So yeah. let's go they back don't know. to Spoopy. Yeah, <laughs> back to Spoopy. Um, so, Uba Sute, as said, uh, was said to, what am I, what did I say? God, why am I so bad at typing? Ubasute was said to have been practiced there until the late 19th century. So what is Ubasute? Uh, Ubasute is the practice of carrying the infirm or elderly, an infirm or elderly relative into a remote location and left to die. So people would like carry their like parents out into the forest and just like leave Bye. them there. Yeah. This, it was just said that, that this was happening there, uh, but no one has ever confirmed or denied that it, was happening there so question mark some animals like to do that so i imagine yeah maybe that's let's go ahead and start doing with humans too yeah that's fine um so the forest is also said to be haunted by yure um or the spirits of those that were left there to die um so apparently there's like two types of spirits you've got one that like when you die um you go into like this purgatory area and then you wait until like your ritual rites are like done for you and then you get to like move on to the next life and you can be like a protectorate spirit and then you've got Yure, where if you have like a really aggressive death or like a suicide or you like never get to have like your rituals done for you, uh, you become like this um, uh, spirit that's always looking for like the next uh, 
your your dying thoughts essentially and just like you're always looking for like your next steps and uh, so like without the rituals performed at death these spirits are said to be the to bridge the gap of the spiritual world to the physical world so they're always just like out there kind of haunting so they're like hunting ghosts um so that's kind of what i just was looking for the word oh the word this one y-u-r-e-a e-r-e-i i can't R-E-I. even do they sell like a yeah they're place. out in the middle of this forest in japan it's like come buy our stuff um it's a co-op so yeah that was kind of spoopy for me just because like it's kind of a heavy topic and it's kind yeah, of spoopy really heavy. yeah um but Where yeah did you how did you find that one did somebody suggest that one to you i had heard about the suicide forest before um and then it became really popular when that one youtuber went out there and like made a big mockery of himself because he found someone's body yeah. and just like decided to publicize it and, like make a huge deal out of it and i was like you're a fucking idiot like that's, that's so disgusting. insensitive and so disgusting of a human being. Like, um, don't ever do that. You're a shithole human being. So I decided, like, kind of bring light to that as well as be able to take talk about something. Um, it's important to talk. It's about. important to talk about exactly. Yeah, uh, while still kind of being spooky because it's still haunted. So, <laughs> or in what people believe to be haunted. Yeah. So, felt that to be interesting. Let's talk about my spooky. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Okay. We can talk about your spooky thing. Let's see if yours is scarier or uh, more intriguing than mine. Mine is a cult classic. Ooh, honey. so I'm gonna be scared. Um, yeah. we'll see. We'll this, see. This uh, episode of uh, mm-hmm. when uh, <laughs> Trixie says ah, uh, mm-hmm. but she has like this rasp in her voice, and then they paint her to look like Marge Simpson, <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> So that's basically uh, you right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't that know. Uh, so you so, get to be Marge Simpson right now. I'm always Marge. You got like this tall ass, like blue hair. Oh my I god! Know. Someone should do that for like drag. Do like a blue haired wig. Has anyone done that? I'm doing it right now. Are you not? Oh, where'd your hair go? <laughs> it's right here. I see it. It's so tall. Bulbous blue here, hair. Let me reach in and <laughs> pull something out. There's your birth certificate. <laughs> okay. So, uh, my topic for the week, uh, I wanted to discuss one of the craziest, most unique, infamous murders in American history that um, there's been countless movies about, television series, uh, specials, music has been written about it. Oh, boy. Um, and I think that most people know a little bit something about it. So, do you think I know about it? I'm, I have three hints, and I want you to try to guess it. I hate this game. <laughs> so, number one, uh-huh. it was a cult. Okay. Number two, it involved a famous actress. Okay. And number three, they were st- trying to start the race war. Was it Scientology? No. Uh, That's a good that guess, right? And that has something to it. Uh, but no. I'm going to talk about the Manson family. Oh, I was going to guess Marilyn Manson. Is that him? No, No, Marilyn Manson's a singer girl. Yeah, I thought that he's like part of it. Charles Manson. No, I was so close. Marilyn Manson, I think, named himself. Oh, after that? By Charlie Manson. Okay, never mind. So, um, apparently, I was. (laughs) All of our listeners are going to listen to, like, all of our podcasts be like, Chris, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Chris has no idea about anything spooky when I see on the podcast. Don't worry, guys. He's fired. Well, whenever I explain it to anyone else, I always like, well, then if Spencer was the one who loved all the scary stuff and you hate scary stuff, why are you on this podcast? I'm like, that's the point of the podcast is for me to be scared about stuff and him to not be scared about stuff. To try to 
you know, ruin Chris's life yeah. one story at a time. And it slowly does. Have you had nightmares yet? Um, ah. I think I've had night. <laughs> I think I've had nightmares about researching topics just because I'm like, oh my God, Spencer's going to be so mad if I don't finish this topic. Does that count as a nightmare because of this? Yes. Okay, then definitely. Because I will literally <laughs> You'll kill not me. do anything because people are listening to this. <laughs> I will be very angry. And take it out on you in ways where you may not exist anymore. I'll buy you lots of fireball shots. <laughs> oh God, that'll do it. The pancreas will this just explode. Just explode. It's gone. Finally gone. So uh, I said, uh, which I assume you may know a little bit about, but apparently you don't. No. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. The Manson family was a cult in the mid to late 60s in California. Um, hence the theme of the episode. Mine is in California. Wait, was this the one with Kool-Aid? No. Oh, damn. Okay. But I might do that one. Once okay. Uh, so it's a bunch of people in their late teens and early 20s, mostly women, who did a fuck ton of drugs and huh. some murders. Uh, they, the 60s was like the peak like of hippie oh, season, wasn't baby. it? It was like, especially in California, they were like, mm-hmm, let's do it, girl. Okay. I will tell you all about that. Oh, okay. So they followed in the teachings, exclamation, or not exclamation points. Quot- these quotation these are commas that are up in the sky now. Yeah, upward commas, <laughs> double upward commas um, of Charlie Manson. And he ruined many of their lives, as well as the lives of Bernard Crow, Gary Hinman, Sharon Tate, Stephen Parent, Abigail Folger, Jay Sebring, Wojtek Friskowski, Lino, and Raz- Rosemary LaBianca. Wow, that's a lot of lives. Yeah, I felt like it's more important to say their names than mm-hmm. it is to say his. Um, and he's dead now anyway. That's fine. Yeah, he died in 2013. Did someone kill him or did he die? He just died in jail. He was <sighs> born in 1934. Oh, wow. So, so he lived that long? Yeah, he lived Jesus a long time. Jesus, girl. So I wanted to discuss a little bit of his past before we get to the part where he really goes wild. Um, he's born in 1934 in Cincinnati to a young mother of only 16. Okay. Um, but it's the 30s, so... That's not nor- abnormal. That's not that weird, yeah. I guess. No. Um, he struggled as a child, and they kept mentioning that he was a bastard. Like, they said bastard, like, 40 times. If we just want to let you know that he's a bastard! And I'm like, shit. He won his bastardy case against <laughs> his father. And I was like... I want to know who hurt the people in the 30s and 40s that they were just like, call all those children bastards. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They're not people. That's like the na- their, their name, essentially. I they know. They were just like, you're a bastard because like you didn't have a, a father. And I'm like, I know that's the literal translation yeah, yeah. of what a bastard is, but can't you say... Fatherless or something like that. Fatherless or, or he his won fa- his parenthood suit. Single, single parent household or something yeah. like that. That was just a bit excessive. Yeah. Stop calling him a bastard. I was like, I mean... He literally Charlie Manson is a bastard. Yes. Yes. But not parentless children. But in the way that we use bastard nowadays, not in the '30s term of bastard. Yeah. Uh, so his mom's a heavy drinker, and she loves to commit crimes, honey. Oh, she's a crime committer. Sign me up, mommy. So she's arrested for robbing gas stations like all the time. Um, so Charlie has to go in the live- '40s. Yeah. Interesting. Wait, you don't think they have cars? <laughs> I- We've already discussed this. <laughs> they had cars back then, Chris. They did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I don't know. I just think like when I think like 30s and 40s, I think Great Depression, World War II, and like people weren't like driving around that. Okay, maybe they were. I don't know. People got to get places. Yeah, I know they do. But I just don't think that – I guess in my mind, I think that cars were not that – Prevalent. So I also tried to look up some stuff about that, but apparently it's very hard to find old laws about driving because one, there was not a lot of laws back yeah, then. They um, barely which had I will cars. We'll talk about in a minute. 
But from 1906, in 1906, they had something like 200,000 cars in America. Mm-hmm. And then in 1916, they had 2.6 million cars. Oh, wow. Yeah, they shot right up. And so that's that, 1916. Yeah. So, okay, then I guess sell. I'm thinking wrong. And I guess everyone has a car yeah. at this point. There's and, at least one per household. And I think, uh, what's his name? Ford? Yeah, he started making cars in like 1919, and like super cheap too, yeah. because they, he created the automated like car making process essentially. Yeah. So I guess I can see it. Okay, fine, I'll concede to this point. Okay, and we're back, and we're back. Uh, and then so yeah, they got they got have a cars. Okay, cars we got cars. <laughs> so um, he lives with a couple different people during his childhood. When she finally gets back out of jail in 1942, uh, she goes to get him. She goes to retrieve him. Um, and he stated it was the only happy day of his childhood. That his mom came out of jail to pick him up. Yeah, and gave him a hug. So that he's what, eight years old at this point? 1942. He was born in 1934. Yeah, he's like eight. <clears throat> so I guess I would be happy if my mom got out of jail and was like, oh my God, my mom's back. <laughs> there she is. But she, when did she go to jail? I didn't get that. She got out of jail in 1942. She was there for like five years. Oh. So he was like three. How does he even remember her? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, that's true. Um, so five years later in 1947, she tries to send him into foster care. <laughs> She's like, I'm tired of you. So she had him for five years after being in jail for five years. Uh-huh. And is like, okay, go. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> I'm do done. <laughs> wow. Um, so that she sends him to a school for boys, and uh, he breaks free, and he tries to go back to his mom. And she's like, no. <laughs> I don't want you still. Get out of here. Um, so yeah, he's 13. So he's got intense abandonment issues like at the crazy. age of 13. Yeah. He's 13. He's totally on his own. That sounds like Kennedy. Oh, no. Aww. He's a baby. Is he though? No, he's going to come over here and be talking about him. No, he's going to scratch on Thomas. He might go lay down. I think he's going to lay down. Oh my God. <gasps> oh, look at him. Good work. He did it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, obviously his background is not going to be a glow up story. Oh no. This is not Rebecca Black. That it's going to be about. the opposite. This is a glow down. Yeah. This it's going to be a dull out It's going to spiral. <laughs> just gradually shrinking until it just disappears. <laughs> disappears. Uh, so he starts committing petty crimes to survive. He robs grocery stores in order to secure money and he rents a room. So he's in and out of juvenile centers, but he consistently breaks out of them and commits a lot more crimes. Okay. Uh, He steals bicycles, commits armed robbery at 13 years old, and Grand Theft Auto. Um, Wow. When I was 13, I was worried about people thinking I was gay. Yeah. I was like, what if my Pokemon What? what? I need to get the next Pokemon, and what what time is SpongeBob on? (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't have time to sit around here and worry about cars. No. so they catch him and they send him um, somewhere a little bit higher security. Um, so it's like a federal offense to take stolen cars across state lines. And he does this all the time. Hmm. Um, so I'm like, the first time he did it, he's 13. I'm like, how? I, I know that you don't know the law, that it's illegal to take a, a car across state lines, because I'm sure that was not common knowledge. But how easy would it be to catch somebody? A 13-year-old driving a Louisiana car. Who looks like a a child. (laughs) Then I was trying to discover how old you had to be to drive a car back then, but I could not find anything. So I assumed just if you could do it, you just did it. Yeah. (laughs) As long as you weren't being pulled over and not hurting anyone's life, like you're fine. I was like, I would not trust a 13-year-old Spencer with 
anything. <laughs> Turning on the oven. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to burn the house down. I barely trusted myself with a cell phone. <laughs> Jeez. And he's driving cars. <laughs> All right. Okay, girl. So um, he ends up in a detention center in Washington, D.C. and spends some time there. Um, they discovered that he's illiterate. Okay. Uh, he has a fairly high IQ. He has an IQ of 109 when he goes in at 13, which is high-ish, I guess. It's not like crazy high, that's, but yeah, it's That's higher. not like super high. Um, they said he wasn't like... Stupid. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Even though he was illiterate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he spends four years there, and then he seeks parole to go to a minimum security unit. But a month before he does that, he rapes a fellow inmate, coercing him with a razor blade to his neck. Wow. Yeah. So obviously he's not getting out, um, and they send him to a higher security center. Higher instead of lower. Yes. They're okay. Like, mm, you're not doing What about right? the opposite? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're not doing that right. Yeah. You're, you're doing quite the opposite. So he you poor does. thing. He goes to this new higher security place, and uh, he apparently does fairly well there. Uh, he improves his education from a fourth grade level to a seventh grade level. Oh, look at him go. I know, girl. At the age of, what, 17 at this point? Um, 16? Four years after. It's 1954 when he gets temporary parole, and he was born in 1934, so he's 20. Okay. So he made it to seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. But it's the 50s, I mean... Yeah, most people had a seventh grade education. <laughs> yeah. um, so he moves back in with his mother, and he finds a nice girl named Rosalie Wills, and he gets married. And but his mother him. takes him back now that he's a now that he's twenty criminal and a twenty year old. Mm-hmm. Okay, seven years yeah, later, because he's probably of some use to her now. Okay. Um, so he supports his new lifestyle with small time jobs, like an honest person, and auto theft. Yeah, I was gonna say robbing grocery stores and yeah. stealing cars. Okay. I mean, he loves to steal cars, girl. Yeah. Uh, so they live with his mom for a while, and then they travel to California, and they start their new lives. Hey, if uh, you're good at it, just keep doing it. I mean, I mean, how hard was it to steal a car back then? I'm sure people probably just unlocked cars, <laughs> keys in the car. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to lose them. <laughs> Got to keep them in the, the car, car and take off my car. We trust everyone. Right. Uh, so they go to California, and they get there in a what? Stolen car. Oh, my God. Um, so, Manson goes back off to jail for taking a stolen car across state lines. Girl, quit doing that. <laughs> like, you learned this lesson you, already. You already got put in jail for this for seven years. So And um, for raping a man. Wow. <laughs> upon multiples. Oh, God. Um, so... Uh, he goes back to jail, and his first child's born in there. His wife, wife runs off with another man, and they divorce when he's in jail. Oh. So now it's 1958, and he's issued parole again, and he starts his newfound freedom again. So, so he's 24. Just, yes. They're just always letting him out. Yeah. Why? Uh, it's like, it was girl, a you had. Yeah. It's like, let him go steal a couple more cars and see what he does with it. Right. Because he's going to do the exact same thing. I, he's going to sell them to someone, going to get rid of it. And, Destroy it. Who knows? Let me tell you. Oh, God. So uh, he gets back out in 1958. What's his first order of business? Steals a car. Pimping out a 16-year-old girl. Oh. And trying to cash forged checks. Okay. So, I mean, he's switching it up now. Yeah, not stealing a car. He's just stealing a woman instead. Ruining people's lives and taking their money. Yeah. Um, so he gets out of the forgery charge on a 10 year suspended sentence, um, because the girl that he's pimping out begs the judge to let him get married to her. Why? I don't know. It's the fifties. This is like Stockholm syndrome. Like this man took me and 
Well, she's also 16. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck is happening? So I already don't like this. Yeah. So the judge finds a soft spot in his heart for the couple and agrees to let Charles off. What the? Yeah. (laughs) Suspended sentence. So he's on parole. Yeah. So they're keeping an eye on him. We'll uh, make sure you don't steal any more cars or don't pimp you get any, any more, more women. cars or get any more women. Just finger wagging. I'm like, ah, yes. ah, ah. That's what they did. And then he went out and got married to the girl and picked up another girl and took them both to New Mexico to pimp him out. Oh, God. And then Texas. And so then in Texas, he gets caught up with the law. He apparently is in violation of the Man Act, which is the White Slave Trade Act, um, which you can't take people against their will across state lines for prostitution that that's a law that had to be written down uh-huh. oh my god yeah but it's i mean yeah okay <laughs> it's older it's from yeah. like the 1880s but still um and so they're like you look like you're pimping these girls out and he's like yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i and might so, be <laughs> so then they're like we're gonna take you in so they 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 said that he'd violated his parole on the forgery charge from earlier. Um, because he left the state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the the girls were some, I guess they were arguing with the judge, and he gets off on the White Slave Trade Act. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so they were arguing and saying he didn't actually take us like, against our there, will. Yeah, we're there on purpose. So how did he convince these women? What the fuck? It's just one of many. Crimes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we fast forward a bit, and now it's 1967. Manson's up for early release. Oh, so he's been in jail ever since. Yeah, he's been in jail since 1958. Okay, so eight years he's been in jail. Yeah. Okay. Nine-ish. Okay. Um, And he was supposed to be there for 10, so he's basically serving out his full sentence, but he's been in jail for, like, most of his life. And I'm sure he's probably keeping up with the women and... Yeah. Yes. No, we're talking about him in past tense now. So he has been in jail at ha- most more than half his life at 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, you're up for early release. And he's like, no, I don't like, want to go. You're such a good boy now. <laughs> well, he says, no, I don't want to go. Don't let me out. Okay. I, I deserve to be in prison. I should stay here. And they're like, nah, <laughs> you get out of here. You're 32. Go have some fun. Go find you another 18-year-old Dirty, 30, girl. and flirty. <laughs> and so he gets out. Uh, and he moves to San Francisco and goes to work as a panhandler and a street performer. Okay. Uh, he bef- befriends a, a woman named Mary Brunner, who is a 23-year-old graduate and librarian at UC Berkeley. So she's, she's well-read smart and girl. smart. She went to University of Wisconsin in Madison, I think but I read. But she befriended a homeless person. Yes. Oh, boy. It's the 60s. Well, it, this is a very that. important time because... Uh, well, she quickly becomes his lover and follower, and he moves in with her. And in accordance with his past, he overcame his her wish for monogamy and convinced her to let 18 other women move in with them. <laughs> That's a small amount. <laughs> 18 other women That's move fine. into their so house. Now there's 20 people living in this house. 20 people. Excellent. And one man. Excellent. And he was somehow able to convince her, like, nah, I don't think it should just be us. I think we need 18. Yeah. And he's having... Sex with all of all them. All of them, yeah. All of them. Wild, crazy sex with all of them. And she's like, I'll pay okay. bills, girl. <laughs> Don't you worry. And she can afford all 20 of them. I mean, I'm sure that they probably were like 
doing something to make money. Prostitution, yeah. maybe, or I'm sure panhandling. Themselves yeah. or something, but they just live there. They sleep there. Interesting. Um, so it's 1967. This is why it's important, because it's the summer of love, and hippiedom is in full swing. Um, so... You know about the hippies. Yeah. Um, Everyone just loves on each other and does whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. And they loved nothing more than somebody that could teach them to be spiritual. Oh, boy. And give them lots of drugs. I feel like there's a lot of that coming back right now. With like, uh, I look at that with like the astrology people. And like some of these astrology people who know way too much about it, I'm like, I think I, it's kind of interesting. But at the same time, I'm like, yuck. Kind of scare me. Does not mean anything no. to me. They're like, oh my god, my day is completely ruined because my star sign told me it's gonna be bad today, and I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't have enough crystals in bed last night, and, and just not gonna have a good day. Today. My day is already ruined. My crystals didn't recharge with the new moon or with a whatever the full moon. And then Jenny comes from the side, and she's like, don't worry, girl. Here's some amethyst. Yeah, you'll here, be okay. Just take my my charge. It's fine. I can spare some charge today. Uh, my my mercury is rising, so I don't need it right now. It's in retrograde. We're okay. <laughs> when is mercury not in retrograde? Uh, it's always in <laughs> retrograde. Uh, my favorite white people tweet is like. Um, Girls will be like, sorry I hit you with my car, but I'm a Capri Sun, so I just, that's the way I am. <laughs> and I'm 100% here for that joke. I live for it. Because that's what they all say. It's like, it's because I'm a spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a spaghetti monster. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's giving them lots of drugs. All these women are getting drugs. And guys, too, I guess. But mostly he pursues women. Okay. Um, mo mostly, I would say LSD from what I saw, but they spoke a lot of weed, too. Um, so Manson recognized this and pursued his goal of becoming a guru. Okay. Which is in the height. Spiritual after, yeah, guru, yeah. telling them exactly how they should be mm -hmm. holding themselves. So he was in the height Ashbury district of San Francisco, which is the height of hippiedom. Um, and he apparently based his teachings off of Scientology. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So when he was in jail, he learned a lot about Scientology from a book, maybe. <laughs> um, and then, like, when he went to parole, he would sign off his new religion as Scientology. Excellent. So he spent um, that summer gathering uh, new followers. And at the end of the summer, he collected eight or nine followers, and they all got into an old school bus, and they traveled the western United States. And when they returned, they settled together in parts of western San Francisco and San Francisco County. So he was with them, and they mm -hmm. he came back, and they all lived together. Yeah, they, like, traveled around the world or around southern United States, like Washington, California, Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada. And right was the librarian lady with her? Oh yeah, with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is. She is a hundred percent on board. Taking all this hippie dim and like, let's fucking do it. Yeah, she was like, I'm quitting my job. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So apparently he was always teaching people like, you don't need things. Things don't make people happy. And um, like he was, I read somewhere like that, shedding the materialism. Yeah. He was at a beach one time and somebody was like, you're teaching all this stuff and you have that nice bus over there. And he was like, take the bus. Threw the keys at him. And then he took his bus. Well, his bus is gone. <laughs> yep. Bye. So now they live in San Francisco <laughs> County. Um, they said Topanga Canyon, Venice, and some other place. Um, which, I, this is not the localities of California. Yeah, I was like, podcast, you're telling so. me nothing. I only know the localities of Houston. On the coast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... This is where the story's dark portion starts to get its wheels and, oh, and rolling. 
I'm so excited. As if it weren't in a dark Yeah, moment. it's already going it's already gone downhill in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, two of the Manson families were out hitchhiking one day and they got picked up by Dennis Wilson, who was a member of the Beach Boys. Uh, he drove them to his house where they hung out for a couple hours, and then Dennis Wilson was like, I'm gonna get out of here for a minute. I'll be back later. You guys just chill. Uh, so then he comes back to the house later that night, finds Charles Manson on his driveway, and he's like, Are you gonna hurt me? And Manson's like, no, man. And then he kisses his feet. What the? Yeah. And then they go inside, and there's 12 family members living in his house. In the Beach Boy guy's house. Yep. Mostly women. A couple men. uh, And Charles Manson. Yeah. And then over the next few months, because he didn't kick them out, because why would you kick people out? It doubled to 24. (laughs) 24 people living in his house. (laughs) Um, so the house guests apparently cost Wilson a lot of money. Yeah, I'd uh, imagine. No surprise there. Well, it's not just for the reasons you think, girl. Um, so they wrecked one of his vehicles that was uninsured worth $21,000. $21,000 in the 70s. 60s. 60s. Late 60s, yeah. So I'm thinking a lot much, much more money than that. <laughs> yep. And then they racked up a huge medical bill because of one reason. They all had gonorrhea. <laughs> all the time. They always had gonorrhea. Because it was constantly being passed around. One person probably be cured for it, and they're like, okay, let's fuck. And then, bam, gonorrhea. Gonorrhea. So the estimate that uh, Murderpedia gave me was $100,000 it cost him. Oh, my God. And $21,000 of that was the car. So where's the other $79,000? Probably all medical bills. All gonorrhea? <laughs> probably. Jeez. Just repeat Connor. No, I bet they probably like attributed to like a food and you know breaking yeah things. breaking all of his shit and all that stuff. So um, I don't know. For how long did they live there? Um, a couple months. Okay, it didn't. Ex- Hundred thousand dollars in a in a couple months. Wow. In the sixties. Wow. But he's got Beach Boys money, which is a lot. Apparently, a lot. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? So Beach Boys. When did they start? Like late fifties. I 50s, thought that right? was like. I, I thought they were later than that, but sure. Oh, God. You sound like you're cracking your neck every single time. It's like, dead. That's what it is. Oh, okay. I have been dead this whole time. (laughs) Your head just, like, turned all the way around. (laughs) Uh, So they sang together with Wilson uh, and a man named... um, Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) What? See, now you're the one who can't write English. They sang together with Wilson, and they hung out, and they talked all the time, and... Uh, Manson and Wilson treated all the women that they had like servants. Um, and uh, Wilson and Greg Jacobson paid for Manson to have uh, recording studio time. Oh, God. That sounds like a great idea. He learned steel guitar in jail, and he thought he was going to be the next best thing. God. Um, so Wilson also introduced him to Terry Melcher and Rudy Altabelli. They'll be important later. Uh, but they're all in the music industry. Yeah. So after Wilson's manager asked Manson and the clan to move out of the home, they said, you got to go. Uh, Manson procured a new place for his cult to live and continue their debaucherous lifestyle. This would be their final residence as a family, the Spawn Ranch. The ranch used to be used in Western movies and television series as a set. And after the falling popularity of Westerns, the ranch had survived solely off of horseback rides. <laughs> um, they paid the owner, George Spawn, in sex. 
Uh, he was so for an entire property. He was like, "Here, we'll just give you sex." Yeah. Well, they they were also his seeing eye guides because he was also kind of blind. He was eighty years old. Okay. And he's having sex with all these nineteen, Young women. twenty years old oh, girls. So, I think he was pleased. into it. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, he wasn't just really using come and it. live with me. Just give me that nice booty tang. <laughs> He like nicknamed one of the girls. Ew. Her name was Lynn Lynn Seabiscuit. Fromm. Her name was Lynn Fromm, and he would call her Squeaky because when he would pinch her thighs, she'd be like, "Eek." That's Isn't so that gross. That's fucking gross. That's so gross. So, um, and then another. This is when Charles Watson or Tex joined the group. Are those Somebody African beats. It's probably one of the party buses. Yeah, that's true. Um, so this is when Charles Watson joins the group. Uh, George Spahn says, you're from Texas. He could tell from the draw. So mm-hmm. he sounded exactly like you. Yeah. Um, so in December at the ranch, Manson ob- became obsessed with the new Beatles album, specifically the song Helter Skelter. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's on. That's such a random song to be into. Well, it's important. Okay. Um, so Manson had a prophecy for some time that the racial tensions between black people and white people in America was coming to a breaking point. The culmination in Manson's mind was the assassina- assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on April 4th, 1968. Uh, later in that year, the very last day of the year on New Year's Eve, Manson proclaimed at a, like a bonfire um, that his theory, supported by the Beatles music, which told this, this in code, uh, was finally on the brink. It told him and his family that uh, that him and his family were disciples and they were there to preser- preserve themselves and those that were worthy from the impending disaster. The family was to be the catalyst to incite the race war. Oh, boy. Uh, the first step for the family was to create an album and release it to the public. They called upon an old friend, Terry Melcher, uh, to come and listen to the debut of the album, but he never showed, uh, and this greatly upset Manson. Um he never. He did not. Never show. He didn't show on when they asked him to. Um, so then, on March twenty third, nineteen sixty nine, Manson traveled to uh, one hundred and fifty Cielo Drive, the former home of Terry Melcher, who he'd been there and seen before, um, to confront him. Melcher had moved somewhere before his visit, and the new owner of the home, Rudo Altabelli, who he had also met before, mm-hmm. um, he lived in the guest guest home and was renting the home to a filmmaker, Roman Polanski, and his wife, Sharon Tate. Do you know anything about either of those people? I feel like I've heard of Roman Polanski. He made a lot of movies. Okay. Um, and Sharon Tate, uh, she was an up-and-coming actress in the late 60s, early 70s. Well, no, late 60s. Okay. Um, she's in one of my favorite movies, Valley of the Dolls. You should look at that. Because okay. it is a gay icon. Is I mean, it? Yeah. I feel like I've heard that movie, too. So I've, I, I'm, hear, I'm hearing things that I've actually heard of, but I don't know anything about it. I mean, it's classic Americana. Okay. Um, so... Altabelli tells Manson that Melcher has moved, and he doesn't know his new address, but it's in, in Malibu somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later on in the May the 8th, uh, Terry Melcher finally shows up and on his wor- follows up on his word and comes to visit the ranch and listen to their, their music. Uh, apparently he liked what he heard because he arranged for another meeting for the family to record this with a friend of his. He didn't actually do the recording. He had sent someone to do it. Uh, so by June... Manson was getting impatient, and he informed the family that they might have to show black Americans how to start the race war. Oh, boy. So he urged Tex Watson to go out and buy some drugs from a known black drug dealer named Bernard Crow. 
Tex frauded the drug dealer and in turn, Crow threatened to wipe out the entire ranch. Manson countered this threat on July 1st by murdering Crow in his Hollywood apartment. Um, this is one of the, well, this is what Murderpedia says. They never, I think, from what I had read elsewhere, they never proved that Charles Manson actually murdered anybody. Um, and I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, but apparently they say that he did murder this guy. Uh, so later on in the papers, Manson saw an article about a Black Panther being murdered and disposed of in Los Angeles. Uh, Manson assumed they were referring to Crow, um, whom in fact was not a Black Panther, uh, and he started policies to turn Spawn Ranch into a defensive camp because he believed that... The race war was happening. It's starting now. So he has nighttime patrols with armed guards all the time. Uh, in July... Charles Manson sends two family members, Susan Atkins and Bobby Beausoleil, and Mary Brunner to, well, three, three, and Mary Brunner to Gary Hinman's home. He was an acquaintance of the family who had inherited some money that Manson believed belonged to the family because Hinman had sold them some bad drugs. They held them high. Also, I don't know how these people how thought you know that they, they that, were bad drugs because yeah. they were high all the time. Yeah, it's like, how do you know the difference between good drugs and bad drugs? Maybe, Maybe because they, they didn't they work. They weren't high yeah. for once. It's like, what? Please I feel have normal. Some clarity. <laughs> um, so uh, they held this guy hostage for two days. During this time, Manson showed up and sliced his ear off with a sword. Um, and then when he left, he said, uh, stab him. Uh, so he did, and they murdered him. And Bobby Beausoleil was arrested later because he was driving around in Hinman's car. So he's in jail. But as far as they, he tells the authorities, it was just him. Yeah. He didn't say that no anyone else helped him kill anyone or kidnap anyone or anything like that. Yeah. So now we move on into another portion of what Charlie Manson tried to do to incite the race war. Oh, boy. This is already getting worse. <laughs> this is spiraling, honey. Yes. Spiraling. So they're starting the creepy crawly missions, okay. which are supposed to be um, when he, when Charlie Manson sends people out to people's houses, they don't do anything there. Well, they don't kill anybody there, but they go there, maybe cape, take a couple things, nothing like of a lot of value, but they move their furniture around and like make it look like the place is ransacked. To say that, you know, black people came into your yeah. house and they messed up your stuff. So you got to be angry. Yep. So on August 8th, uh, Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Patricia Kenwinkle, and Linda Kasabian were instructed to go to that house where Melcher used to live and totally destroy everyone in it uh, as gruesome as you can, is the quote. Krenwinkle was one of the early family members, one of the hitchhikers who had allegedly been picked up by Dennis Wilson. Um, so in the house, we've got Sharon Tate, who's eight and a half months pregnant, mm -hmm. uh, her friend and former lover, Jay Sebring, who is a noted hairstylist in Hollywood, uh, Polanski's friend and aspiring screenwriter, Wojciech Frakowski, uh, and Frakowski's lover, Abigail Folger, who's the heiress to the Folger coffee fortune. Wow. Um, they're all in the residence that evening. Uh, when they get there, Tex climbs out. Uh, and he goes up a telephone pole near the gate and cuts the phone line. Uh, it's about midnight at that time. They back up their car down uh, to the bottom of the hill that led up to the place, and the group parked there and walked up to the house. My mouth is dry. No, oh, sorry. 
made made you talk too much. I'm really into the story, so I'm just sitting here like, oh my god, tell me more. Oh Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, um, thinking that the gate might be electrified or rigged with an alarm, they climb up a bushy embankment on its right side and drop onto the grounds. Just then, um, headlights start to come their way uh, from further away on the uh, property. Uh, So Watson tells all the girls, get in the bushes, and he stands in the road. Um, The person driving the car was an 18-year-old student, Stephen Parent. He tells him to stop. Stephen was there to visit um, somebody that was the caretaker of the property. They're there, like, for the gardening or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's on his way out. Uh, Watson uh, tells him to stop. And then he comes to the window, and he slashes Parent with a knife. Like across his throat? No. So he's saying, no, 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 don't hurt me. Slashes oh. his wrist. He breaks his tendons. His hand is useless now. Uh-huh. And then he shoots him. Oh, excellent. Shots him four times in the chest and the abdomen. Uh, Watson then orders the women to help push the car further up the driveway. Um, after having Kasabian search for an open window of the main house, Watson cut the screen of the window. Watson told Kasabian to go keep watch down by the gate. Um, and then he removed the screen and entered the window and let Atkins and Krenwinkel in through the front door. As Watson whispered to Atkins, Frakowski awoke on the living room couch. He was asleep on the couch and um, then Watson kicks him in the head. Um, Frakowski asks him what he's doing there and Watson says I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business oh Jesus and we'll take a pause for a minute ooh, ooh. okay so don't even know where I left off we had the devil's business the face. yeah devil yeah uh, so uh, Watson uh, directs the other uh, Atkins and Krenwinkle to go around the house and see if there's anybody else there. So they go and they go bring in everybody else. So Wat, uh, Watkins, Watson begins Watkins. to... Watkins. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so Watson begins to tie Sharon Tate and Sebring together by their necks with a rope that he'd slung over a beam of the house. Um, Sebring told, tells the intruders, stop abusing her, she's pregnant. And Tate promptly uh, shoots him. So... Wait, Sharon Tate shoots him? No. You Watson. said You said Tate. He tells them to stop abusing Tate because she's pregnant, and then Watson shoots him. Shoots the person? Sebring. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were saying shoots them, the oh, ones no, that no. they... Okay. Just, just Sebring so far. Okay. Um, so uh, Folger was immediately taken back to the bedroom to get her purse, to which she gave the intruder $70. After that, Watson stabbed Sebring seven times. So he After shot him, he and now shot. He's stabbing him. Okay. Frakowski's hands have been tied and bowed with a towel. Uh, he frees himself and he starts struggling with uh, Susan Atkins, who stabbed at his legs with a knife, which she had been guarding him with. As he fought his way to the front door um, onto the porch, Watson joined in against him. Watson struck him over the head with a gun multiple times and stabbed him repeatedly, shot him twice, and broke the gun's grip in the process over wow. his head. Around this time, Kasabian was drawn up from the driveway by horrifying sounds. Um, she arrived to the outside door in a vain effort to halt the massacre. She told Watson or told Atkins falsely that someone was coming. So um, she got scared of what was happening. Was like, please stop, mm-hmm. even though she was a part of the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So as we continue, I'm not sure that it'll be totally clear, but uh, Linda Kasabian was not uh, convicted. 
mm-hmm. because she was the state's evidence against mm-hmm. the whole thing. So it makes sense for her to say, I didn't do anything, but here's all the information you need. Yeah. So it's kind of a contra. I like to say controversy. Controversy. But it's a controversy mm-hmm. um, because people say, well, how can you believe her? Yeah, that's true. She knows everything. Yeah. She could just be pitting Lying. against everybody yeah. else. Because um, she was also one of the last people to be uh, arrested. Mm. Um, so she arrived at the outside door, said somebody's coming. Um, so they don't care. Um, so inside the house, Folger had escaped from Ken Winkle, and she fled out the bedroom door onto the pool area. Folger was pursued into the front lawn by Krenwinkel, who stabbed her and finally tackled her. Uh, she was dispatched by Watson um, and her two assailants. They stabbed her 28 times. Oh, my God. Um, Frakowski struggled across the lawn, um, and Watson murdered him with a final flurry of stabbing. Wait, wasn't that the guy who has already been shot and stabbed? No, he was kicked in the head. Oh, he okay, couch. okay. And he was had his hands tied with a... Uh, a towel. Yes. And then stabbed at his legs. Yes. And he was shot. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was finished with a final flurry of stabbing. He was stabbed 51 times. Jesus. Back in the house, Sharon Tate pleads to be allowed to live long enough to have her baby and even offered herself as a hostage in an attempt to just save the life of her unborn child. Her killers would have none of it, as either Atkin, Atkins, Watkins. God, their names are too... <laughs> Similar. Kind of similar. Yeah. Atkins, Watson, or both killed Tate, who was stabbed 16 times. Watson later wrote that Tate cried out mother as she's being killed. Um, and then, so she, they have her looped around the... Uh, Other guy. Yeah. Or, uh, no, her neck is tied around the roof. Being, but I thought she was also tied with someone else. Yeah, but he got out. Oh, okay. Um, so they kind of tried to make it look like they were committing suicide. Even though they're stabbed multiple stabbed times. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. So earlier, um, as the four Manson members had headed out from the Spawn Ranch, Manson had told uh, the women to leave a sign, something witchy. Using the towel that had been bound on Frakowski's hands, Atkins wrote pig on the front door of the house in Tate's blood. En route to the home, the killers changed out of their, uh, en route to the Spawn Ranch. They changed out of their bloody clothes, which were ditched in hills, along with their weapons. The initial confessions of the cellmate to, uh, yeah, um, so, (laughs) now, why did I write that? I don't like any of this. I don't like English. I always put, like, random words in my stuff, and I'm like, what the fuck did I write? LOL. But that's normal. I read, read my emails to my customers sometimes, and I'm like, I hope you can understand this. Well, I finished this at 5.30, girl. Excellent. I think I finished this about the same time. So, yours is a half a page. I know. This is eight pages. Um, so, the next night, the family members, Leslie Van Houten and Steve Clem Grogan, and uh, the four from the past night, so Susan Atkins, Patricia Kenwinkle, Tex Watson, and Linda Kasabian, rode out on Manson's instructions again. Um, displeased by the panic of the victims at the first house, Manson accompanied the six to show them how to do it. Oh boy. So after a few hours ride in which he considered a number of murders and even attempted one of them, Manson gave Kasabian directions that brought the group to 3301 Waverly Drive. This was the home of supermarket executive Lino LaBianca and his wife, Rosemary. 
located in the Los Filos section. Los Fil- Feliz. Los Feliz. I'm Spanish. <laughs> I'm Spanish. Well, was, I thought it was Felix for a second. <laughs> Los Feliz section of Los Angeles. Um, it's right next to a door, or, or it's right next door to a house uh, that Manson and his family members had attended in a party at the oh, previous okay. year. And they were like, hey, let's go ahead and kill these yeah. people next they door. They always go to the house that they're like, we've been here before. <laughs> let's go ahead and kill them. So according to Atkins and Kasabian, Manson disappeared up the driveway and returned to say that he had tied up the house's occupants. And then he sent Watson up with Krenwinkel and Van Houten. Uh, in his autobiography, on the other hand, Watson stated that having gone up alone, Manson returned to take him up to the house with him. Um, after that, Manson points at a man in the window and says he's sleeping. Um, and they go back. They go in through the back door that's unlocked. So he didn't actually tie them up. No. Uh, so Manson roused the sleeping lobby Lino Lambianca from the couch at gunpoint and had Watson bind his hands with a leather thong. It says leather thong. Don't know what that means. Not sure that it's an How actual do you? Thong. Yeah. Because where did you get that? Yeah. Um, after how is that comfortable? <laughs> how would you That's have my enough, question? How do you have enough length? Yeah, to tie anyone up with that? Yeah, because it doesn't stretch. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so after that, Rosemary Labianca was brought in briefly to the living room from the bedroom, um, and Watson followed Manson's instructions to cover the couple's head with pillowcases. He bound these in place with lamp cords, and Manson left. Uh, he sent Krenwinkel and Leslie Van Houten into the house with instructions that the couple was to be killed. Uh, after, before leaving Spawn Ranch, Winston, oh, Watson had complained of the, to Manson of the inadequacy of the previous night's weapons. So now he sent the women in from the, into the kitchen from the bedroom to which Rosemary LaBianca had been returned. Um, and when they... Wait. God. How do I write So they took English? her... <laughs> It's so hard. <laughs> so he sent the women into the kitchen to get weapons. Okay. Um, and then when they got back, Rosemary LaBianca had, she's in the living room. She came out of the bedroom where she had been separated. Now they're all in the living room together. Um, and uh, Watson starts uh, stabbing Leah, Lino, the husband, with a chrome-plated bayonet. He's stabbing him in the throat. Where did they get a ban- bayonet from? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Where do these weapons keep just randomly coming from? I will say, though, that they lived on an old Western ranch. So there's got to be props. Yeah, I guess so. Which may be similar. And, I mean, they may at least have a bayonet. They probably don't shoot guns, but yeah. they may have a bayonet. Um, also, I didn't write about this anywhere in here, but they had, like, this video where it's, like, them saying, people are going to come to get us, so we need to learn how to protect ourselves. And all these, like, 13-year-old girls are like, you need to love your gun. You need to love it like you love yourself. You will know your gun when you know it. Do they like, record that in Alabama? <laughs> no, girl. California. <laughs> and they all have, like, shaved heads. It's oh, gosh. Um, so they're militant. It's yeah. a militant cunt. Yeah. Cult. Cult. Cut. Cut that. Cut. Spencer, cut that. Militant cut. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so the sounds of the scuffle from the bedroom drew Watson there to discover Mrs. LaBianca keeping the women at bay by swinging a lamp tied around her neck. So they tied that pillowcase to her head with a ne- with a lamp, and mm-hmm. she's swinging that lamp. Because like, get the fuck away from me. What else? Can yeah, you yeah. Do? Um, and I, so, mean, I would be fighting for my life too. Yeah. So and then Watson stabs her with the bayonet again, or stabs her with the bayonet, um, and then he goes back to the living room so he can continue to attack the husband. 
Um, so Lino was stabbed 12 times with the bayonet. And when Watson was done killing him, he carved the word war into his stomach. Mm. Um, and then Watson found Krenwinkel stabbing Rosemary LaBianca with a knife that they'd found in the kitchen. And heeding Manson's instructions to make sure every woman played a part, Watson told Van Houten to stab Miss LaBianca too. And she did. She stabbed her 16 times in the back and in the butt. What, my question is, like, where, where, at what point did they go from, like, free-loving, like, spiritual hippies to all of a sudden, like, yeah, you're right, we should probably just kill people. We should just fucking do it. Anything that these people heard him say, they believed. I don't understand cults. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. Okay. From my favorite podcast, uh, My Favorite Murder, mm-hmm. they always say, you're in a cult, call your dad. Yeah. <laughs> so these people were definitely in a cult. Call, call your, your dad. dad. Yeah. Um, so while Watson cleaned off the bayonet and showered, Krenwinkel rose, wrote, wrote rise and death to pigs on the wall and helter skelter on the refrigerator door in all of the LaBianca blood. She misspelled helter too. <laughs> yeah, because they're all uneducated, just like Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. And those are all of the murders because, um, they were caught after this, but. I didn't write a spoiler whole, alert. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. And all of them are either dead or still in prison, except Krenwinkel. Mm-hmm. No, Van Houten. I think Van Houten might've gotten parole. Wow. Um, but she got it at 60 years old and she went to jail at like 19. Yeah. Spent 40 years of her life in jail. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll do a, a Minnesota about the, um, and like how they caught them and yeah. the trial and all that, because that's fucking wild. Too. Yeah. Um, but just to wrap it up, uh, I didn't, I was getting really disheartened because it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, there's a lot of information. So it is a lot of yeah. information to summarize. Well, um, that was like me whenever I was going through the murders with Jeffrey Dahmer. I was like, I just had paid another, ma- murders another. and murders and murders. Yeah. And like the the final, like catching him and all that stuff was a whole bunch more. And I was just like, I, I can't. Like, yeah. here's your summary of like what happened afterwards and he died. Like, <laughs> so um, they raided the Spawn Ranch and a suspected auto theft ring because they had been taking, they, they lived at the Spawn Ranch, but they also had two other ranches. One of them was Meyer, and the other one was something else. But mm-hmm. they were stealing equipment from the countryside that was used to, like, excavate land. Um, <laughs> like, full-on, like, bulldozers like, yeah, and stuff? Yeah. What and the they fuck? were pimping them out. And, <laughs> like, and, yeah. And they were making, like, Volkswagen cars, like, go faster. I don't know. They were, they were doing some kind of chop shop stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so they re- they realized that the LaBianca and the Tate murders had similar writings, um, and they discovered a girlfriend of Bobby Posley that had been arrested in the sting who guided them to a motorcycle gang that Manson had tried to enlist to okay. help them out. Um, so they shared that there were similarities in the murder that they should check out, but before they even pursued that, when they got Susan Atkins, who had been there for both of the murders... When they got her in the auto theft ring, she went to jail and she told her cellmates. She's like, let me tell you a secret. I've got some tea, Henny. She's like, I am part of a cult. cult. We've killed a lot of people. We've killed a lot of people and you should join us. Yeah. 
Because, like, they're, they're in jail, too. Like, I was listening to live interviews of them, and they're like, in the beginning, they're wild. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Charlie Manson has to shave his head to go into jail. They all shave their head. He carves a swastika into his forehead. They all carve X's. What the fuck? Yeah. And they, they when they go to Like, court, they were still following him while he was in, in jail. jail? Yeah. What the hell? They're walking into jail, or they're walking into the courthouse all hands in hands singing wearing these weird costumes which might just be clothes from that time but they yeah. look like weird costumes to me because they're all shiny and satin <laughs> and very bright colored they were all just hippies <laughs> yeah um and they're like one of the girls that wasn't in jail she was like you know all of my family's in jail and but they're not in jail <laughs> they're out here with me and i'm out here but I need to be in jail with them. I was like, you guys. She wanted to be in jail so wild. bad to be with everyone to else. To be with these crazy bastards. What the hell? It's just a lot, girl. What happened to their families? Like, go be with someone. Like, I don't know. Go be a normal human being in society. I saw another one where this girl, I don't remember what her name was, but she was like 14 when she joined oh Manson Cult because her parents were both hippies mm-hmm. and they lived in communes. And she was, at 14, they were like, do whatever you go, want. Go do your thing, girl. If you need to go, you need you to can. go. And so she left at 14. Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't know where to go. Now. Yeah. And, and these so people have free, them free place like, to stay. Free food, free mm-hmm. drugs. She's 14. She's like, this sounds great. Sign me the Sign fuck me up. up. So she talks to Charlie Manson. He rapes her within hours of meeting her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, in the thing, she was like, when did you have sex with her? Or he, they asked the girl, when did when did you have sex with him? She was like, you know. And the woman's like, days, no. hours? And she's like, hours. What? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I, he, I don't. I can't fathom. I can't fathom the idea of a cult, period. Yeah. Somebody telling. I mean, I've never wanted to believe something that bad that if I, if there's something in my head that's like, this isn't probably not right yeah yeah and you know it's not true there's nothing that's gonna be that go off and be like well well i guess i'm like also so independently minded that i've never met someone who is able to like really convince me of anything that i haven't already convinced myself of you know and these people were like valedictorians of their class yeah so intelligent people yeah and uh uh patricia kenwinkle was the um queen of prom yeah they were they were kind of outstanding people of their their high schools and he was just like hey come on over here yeah he's this like 30 year old man it's like come on over here and like let's get crazy yeah what the fuck i think i mean well one of the girls is like lsd is a hell of a drug mm-hmm. it's like i don't know about that but i'll take your word for it yeah but, but that doesn't make me well i have never done lsd so i don't know but like it wouldn't make me inclined to be like, yeah, go ahead and like, let's do whatever this man says he wants us to do. Well, she said that, like, she said, what did she say? Because this is after she'd be in, been in jail for like 10 years. Yeah. She's like, um, LSD opens your mind. Like, you have so many, you know, blockades in your mind that will say you can't go further than this. But LSD is like, you can go anywhere you want. And I had been doing so much LSD, she says, um, that there were no blockades. So I could do whatever I wanted. And there were no consequences. 
that's not how that works. <laughs> I'm like, nobody could ever convince me that there's no consequences yeah. for something. Yeah. There's See, I, I think, always consequences. I think there's more consequences for every single action. There actual, actually are consequences. There's more any sense. consequences about something that I do than I can even fathom. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do they say? The butterfly effect? Yes. Butterfly flaps its wings in Japan makes a, 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 hurricane. a hurricane come over yeah. here. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, I, I, I believe that exactly. Like... Uh, I don't know. I can't understand cults. So, <laughs> so if you ever think you're in a cult, call your dad. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. You, thank you, my favorite murder for for telling us because that. Because that is, that is is prime information. If someone is telling to you to do drugs and murder someone, maybe don't do drugs. Maybe rethink that. Yeah, <laughs> like tr- say try maybe not. ibuprofen. Because <laughs> I hear that this is just. I mean, I heard it's a hell of a drug. You right up. <laughs> There's who is it? Uh, Ellen tells this joke. She's like, because when she was young, she was uh, new Christian Science mm-hmm. religion, and they didn't believe in taking any kind of drugs, and so she'd be like watching TV as a kid, and there'd be you know ads a dry for t- commercial for aspirin, yeah. and she'd see her grandmother get up and like stand in front of the TV and like cough the whole time. <laughs> And so she'd like peek around her and like try to watch this commercial. What is that drug? So she's like 13 seeing al- ads for this aspirin. And she's like, when I grow up, I'm going to get some of that aspirin. It looks wild. It's going to get me lit, honey. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Getting try lit on it. aspirin. Yeah. So try it one time and you will never go back. Zonked out. Like, Whoa. Anyone else feel that tingle in your toes? <laughs> Anyone else feel the walls <laughs> vibrating? <laughs> I can only imagine that happening from aspirin. Mm. I mean, people wouldn't do LSD. Yeah, that's true. But then I guess aspirin would be just as bad. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Precisely. So that's our show. That's our episode. We Um, talked about some things. Talked about some scary shit. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I like it. Um, Before we go, I just wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Economy Works. Um, Economy Works is a service that helps to pair professionals with project work. Um, If you need somebody to do your social media marketing, if you need an accountant on a short-term basis, if you need somebody to drive you in a car somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) here they come. (laughs) They don't actually do that, but (laughs) it's fitting. Um, call Economy Works because we can help you find somebody on a short-term basis to uh, solve your project woes. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. Yeah! <laughs> uh, also, shout out to our sister podcast, Let's, Let's Talk, Talk About Gay Stuff. stuff. Um, they had a really interesting podcast this weekend um, having to do a lot with pride. You should check them out today, Sunday, mm-hmm. because they've just released another episode. And they'll talk about all their prideful experiences. Actually, no, they won't because they did that right before. Well, yeah, they'll talk about their prides. Not this year's pride because they record a week before. It's um, a confusing time frame. All of our r- recordings are yeah, <laughs> all messy. Today is <laughs> June 1st, 1973. <laughs> and um, we just hope that you guys are having or are getting ready for the bicentennial. Yeah, let's just get ready. It's going to be great. Sorry, it's <laughs> It's going to be a hell of a summer. It's going to be a hell of a summer. What is it? Summer's going to be kick-ass. I don't know that. Uh, I think it's a quote from an old movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know old movies. I don't don't know any movies. All right. That's the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to kick-ass. Yes. Well, everyone gets spoopy. Make sure you check out Let's Talk About 
No. Rspoopypodcast.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't plug it that many times this time. Yeah, this is... I mean, let's do it for five times really quick. Okay. Rspoopypodcast.com. Rspoopypodcast.com. That's rspoopypodcast at facebook.com and Instagram and rspoopy at Twitter. Yes. Then we plugged it. Yes. And what do we do at the end of the episode? We get spoopy with it.